All right, we are on the third episode of Coffee and House. I'm Scott. I'm Raymond. And today we're going to do five reviews. One of them is going to be a single. Yes. And then we're just going to talk about some news featuring Juice World and XXX and Tatsuya. And then talk about a final topic on critiques and critics. Yep. Raven, do you want to start us off with uh, what, what are we doing? Oh, wait, that's right, we're doing a review. Yes. Um, you want to start off with uh, Machine Drum? Yes. So, would you recommend this? And I looked at yeah. the whole song. Which, uh, Machine Drum, A View of You, by the way. Yes. I was very surprised. I knew it was, was going to be something that, like, I that I hadn't listened to before. And I was quite pleasantly surprised. There were a few tracks that I was, like, really vibing with, which I was kind of surprised with. But, like, I got to do, like... I'm a music fanatic, so so there were like Star. Yeah. Loved. Um, Star featuring Tannerelle, I thought was like super cinematic. Like I felt like I was in some kind of like warlord space battle in a dream or something. I've heard Tannerelle before a couple times, and she's definitely got like a focus on the theme of outer space and stuff, which makes her a perfect feature for something like this. Because the cover art is like this twinkle star spaceship thing, and a lot of the themes in it are about like outer space and stuff, and it's electronic. Yeah, you know. very futuristic. Yeah, like, um, it's just that kind of album. And there's like a wide variety of features on here too, like from different genres. I think the one right after uh, Tannerelle is Freddie Gibbs. Yep. Who Page. is the godfather of gangster rap. If you've never heard of Pinata or Alfredo or any of Freddie Gibbs' other projects, please check them out. He's one of the best in the game. It really brought me back to like 90s rap or back when, when people rapped you could actually hear what they were saying. Yeah. Because now it's so much mumble rap. Mm-hmm. I don't know what these people are saying. It's mostly just for the beat. So it was like really fresh. Really refreshing. Yeah. Uh, The horns in the back of like Freddie Gibbs' voice. The way that uh, Freddie switches from like slow to medium to fast, back to slow uh, in his flow is so incredible and so flawless. And it shows that the features from like Tannerell, Freddie Gibbs, and who else is on here? Jesse Bogans. Jesse Bogans, yeah. All the features on here, aside from I think the beginning track, the first one, really rocked it out of the park. It was the solo tracks though for me, aside from the final one, that really just didn't like impress me at all. It felt very commercial. Yeah, same. I was, I was really vibing. I was like, oh, this kind of, kind of skips for me. Yeah. It was cool that he was uh, branching out into different like avenues of electronic, but a lot of it just really wasn't for me production-wise, and some of the features had really sloppy and kind of lazy mixing. Uh, Like the first track featuring... Yeah, The Relic. Um, I thought that the mixing on that was absolutely dreadful, and I was really worried for the rest of the album afterwards, and I had a right to be worried. It's not a perfect album, and overall it's kind of like an average for me, but I think he has a lot of potential. I think Machine Drum just needs to be a lot more patient with his music and a lot more patient with his sound. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't go back to it normally. It wouldn't be a normal addition into my my life for my playlist. But yeah, I definitely like the features a lot more than just that. 
machine gun myself. Yeah. Um, after that, I think we had Brothers Osborne, which is like rock country. And you're not a big fan of country. I am not a big fan of country. Which shocks a lot of people. Because being from Texas, people are like, oh, don't you like country? No. But I went into this with a very open mind. I wanted to give it a chance. And eventually we would have to come around to country. Because like, if we're going to cover all genres. Because eventually we're going to get to things like ambient music and black metal. Yeah, we have to look at everything. We gotta get country out of the way sometime. We can't be too selective with genres. And with Brothers Osborne, I was extremely impressed. I thought that the singing, the guitar work, like the brothers really just knocked it out of the park for me. I have to admit, I really liked it. Yeah. I can't believe I'm saying this. It was engaging from the first track to the last track. There was not a single weak track on there. I could pick out like a least favorite or a couple least favorite tracks, but no, it, it was just like, it was a great country rock album. It really was. The moment I knew that I was just like vibing with it is when I was listening to it while I was like doing my makeup and I started like, Mouthing the words of the chorus when I came around the second time of like especially the song I'm not for everyone. Yeah. I love that song. And the the voice of TJ Love that for us. So, you know what? Let's just do, let's get this out of the way first. Uh, we are at Infusion Coffee Shop, and names get called when people's coffees are ordered. So, if you hear someone's name interjected, that's what that is. Yeah. Back to the review. TJ Osborne. Um, the music stopped. It'll come back on. I don't know. We're doing it in a single take, so whatever. Oh, we're not, okay. Yeah, because uh, I forgot my AirPods, so I can't edit immediately. Yeah. Oh well. Um, the music will come back eventually as we talk about the music. T.J. Osborne's voice to me uh, of the Osborne brothers. He's the lead singer. He doesn't stand out in like a unique voice perspective. So like if I had a bunch of country rock singers lined up, TJ, I wouldn't. He his voice wouldn't jump out at me if he was featured on some other, some artist track. Uh, but pr- from a production standpoint and from a charisma standpoint, is where he shines truly. Uh, the straightforwardness of country rock in general kind of limits the amount of lyricism that you can do beyond like religion, uh, alcohol, uh, American pride. But I think the Osborne brothers, instead of like dowsing it in those themes, they make it a lot of they make it very accessible to a wider audience, which I thought was really cool. I I'm just I was so shocked. I was so shocked that I actually like this. This is a pleasant surprise. And there were a couple ones that I muskat what was it? Muskrat green. Yeah. Wow. Where it was like a, a guitar solo completely. Yeah. I, I felt like I was in like some kind of um old uh, Warner Brothers cartoon like in like some kind of chase it felt very I don't want to say cartoony but it was like clearly they were showing off their guitar skills mm-hmm. like it started I like how it started off like a little piano and then it just the guitar came in riffing I was like this is I was like this is cool <laughs> 
Um, and there's a lot of other influences in uh, their album Skeletons as well. From blues to indie rock to even even shanty music on one of the tracks too, where it, it felt like a bunch of drunkards, this is in a good way, it felt like a bunch of drunkards in a dive bar just singing along with each other having a good time. The record is very positive, it's like very skillful in the genre of country. I just really liked it, honestly. Positive vibes all around. I have to say, I'm, I added a couple of these to my likes. Oh my gosh. So which one's your favorite? Oh my gosh. Um, probably... Probably actually Old Man's Boots. Like Old Man's it. Boots? The final? Yeah. Hmm. Usually, like, it was just like, it was so slow. It felt very personal because he was like talking about their father and all that. I love personal songs. Yeah. And I I felt like I could like relate to it. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is gonna have to be an ad. About like walking in your old man's boots eventually. Yeah. Because like he's the one who raised you. Something's gotta rub off, right? Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I think that this is a great album if you're trying to get into country. I think the Osborne brothers in general, like, I can't wait to see where they go. I think they have a lot of potential for progressive country, which I haven't heard too much of, but sounds like an interesting feat. I'm gonna have to, I'm actually gonna be following them. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think next on our list we had Mariah Carey with The Rarities. So The Rarities is a collection of B-sides that were like former throwaway tracks uh, from Mariah Carey's previous projects recorded back in the 90s. The second half of the album is are just live versions that she performed in Tokyo. Raven, I know you've got a lot to say about it. Oh my gosh. I've been listening to Mariah Carey for the longest, the longest time. When you, when you said that we were going to review this, when you provided this, I almost screamed, and I'm almost screaming right now, because I'm just in love with their music, and I listen to this, this entire album to listen to is over two hours, and I listen to it multiple times. Wow. I am not ashamed to say that. So that's why this is taking over a week to get out this episode. Shade? <laughs> Do you hear the shade you were throwing right now? A little bit. I think I'm having a little too much coffee. Which, by the way, I'm having the peanut butter. This is such a weird insert, but I'm having their peanut butter chocolate blast at Infusion Coffee Shop off of... It's on Tempe. I forgot yeah. the street. Um, but it's delicious. Anyways, continue. I am having their pumpkin spice and being so original. Yeah. The no seasonal. It's spooky season. That means uh, the basic drinks. Say it. The basic drinks <laughs> are in season. Mm-hmm. You know, I loved every song on here. Hero. And it's just so amazing that there are so many live tracks because Mariah Carey is, there are very few artists who could just have like live albums on, like this and Mariah Carey is one of them. Yeah. She just, vocal power is just so amazing. It kind of, um, it reminded me of uh, Beyonce's cut last year. Mm-hmm. She had a live album, Homecoming. Um, Flawless. Getting live albums out is very difficult for vocalists. I know it's a little bit easier for like jazz musicians or even just instrumental artists in general mm-hmm. to perform concerts and not have to sing and worry about their inflections because we had a bit of a scare with Mariah Carey singing 
I think it was a couple years ago that she like strained her voice trying to do that uh, whistle note. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, it did not happen at that Tokyo concert, and it did not happen on her B-sides at all. It was it was consistent a hundred percent of the time. It was not. All right, so more coffee shop noises. We love that. I think that broke the. Oh my god, that broke the mic. That that actually broke the mic. Anyways, um, I think that Mariah Carey really. She just carried this album, absolutely. Um, from a production standpoint, it didn't like vary too much between funk, soul, uh, even blues a little bit. Uh, I think that she just did a really good job. I'm not that familiar with her music aside from like her big hits. But if you're a big fan of Mariah Carey's Christmas song, they do have a live version of that. I recommend you check that out, even though it's a little early for Christmas. Just check it out. Just check the whole thing out. And this album is surprisingly refreshing, even though I've heard these songs, the studio versions of these songs, over and over. I love the addition of the live performances because yeah. she never keeps every same run mm -hmm. or every same vocal difference. It's like always different every performance. Yeah. And it's something new. And I was just pleasantly surprised. Actually, I knew she was going to do that. And it's a really good marketing strategy, too, that she releases this as a package instead of like, you know, our constant slur of deluxe albums by popular artists where they just add two bonus tracks onto the regular album and that's called deluxe this is how you do um this is how you do a b-sides album this is how you do a live album she put them together and the timing is perfect because the 30th anniversary of her debut is coming up she her her career is going to have so much longevity after she retires or like just stop do, does stops doing music completely um and she, mariah carey is known to have a career on the forefront of her mind at all times and think long term and this was a really smart play by her yeah i was actually pretty surprised to hear from her again because we haven't heard from her in a, quite a while the last time i heard from her is when she did that sort of collab, video collab with a bunch of other artists yeah. playing uh, her Christmas song. Mm -hmm. But that was the last time I really didn't know that she was going to come out with something like this, but I'm not complaining. Honestly. Um, I'd love to hear more Mariah Carey as long as her voice isn't strained and as long as her head is still in the right place. Yes. If she releases more stuff like this, I'm all in. After that, we had the vamps, right? Oh my gosh! And this was your this was your recommendation to me. This, it was. They're a boy band, right? Yes. Can you give an overview? So I haven't been keeping up with them since like they're around like in the, or when I first got to them it was like 2015 era that sort of thing. 2015, 2016, don't really remember. But I was very very into them. But I kind of dropped off, and then I heard that they released this album and I was like this is like my feel good music this is the music that I just like danced around to in my room I was like maybe they're like they have the same sound I hope I was hoping they did and they do I love every single song no song is a skip for me so this is my introduction to the vamps so like yeah I mean like I was I was kind I wasn't really 
keep in mind, this is like a guy's perspective talking. We're not really into boy bands all that much. Yeah. Um, like, I want to get more into it because I know a lot of my friends like One Direction and stuff. And then there's another boy band out of Ireland that I really like called Spin, who has more of an acoustic taste. Uh, and the Irish accent comes out perfectly. But uh, back to the vamps, I did some research back on them and they're at, they were actually a rival group of One Direction at one point, right? Yeah. So, first off, hopefully they don't split up or anything into solo work that is lesser than their, like, band work, which might be a hot take on my part. I don't like, really, a lot of Harry Styles um, or the other band's solo stuff. I think... Those were fighting words. Yeah. I mean, like... I don't really like a lot of the solo work. I know that a couple of my friends are going to have my head on a platter for it. I liked Fine Line, and he's on my like vinyl list because it's an iconic album according to Rolling Stone, which, another side quest, is apparently one of the top 500 albums of all time, says Rolling Stone, on Fine Line by Harry Styles. I... I respectfully disagree. I, I, I disrespectfully disagree. Oh. Yeah. And Rolling Stone is one of the companies that I hope to work with in the future sometime, but I'm willing to say my opinion, which is probably a good thing. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, I really like the Vamps because one thing that they really have going for them is that all four of the members are very clearly given like equal length, aside from the vocalists, obviously. You can, you can obviously tell that there are four different members of the band because there's like four sections that they contribute to. Yeah. The vocalist, backup vocalist, and the guitarist, the bassist, and then the drums. That's it. There's occasional like synth productions uh, in there, and there's obviously like editors, uh, but it feels like there's a lot of freedom that these guys take with their sound, and I really hope that they continue. Yes, and I feel like the vamps are... They aren't, they're a boy band, but they aren't like the typical boy band that you see a lot of the time. Like with One Direction, I feel like, even though I was a Directioner, they were kind of gimmicky, and they were very like, heartthrob, like we're really just gonna like, attack the walls of these like, teenage girls. I feel like the vamps are just like, straight musicians. Yeah. And I really like that. There are no gimmicks, it's just music. Yeah. It's nothing like, oh, we're heartthrobs. Maybe you could, like, because with boy bands, they try to sell that, like, maybe you could, like, be with us in a, like, relationship. There's none of that. Yeah. I think part of that is because uh, there's a lot of bad things that can come out of being uh, marketed as hot as heartthrobs, i.e. stalkers, uh, locked contracts, and then stigmatized personalities as being boy bands. Um, And it dies out eventually. Yeah, it dies out and it leads to a breakup, and it leads to fan fiction that leads to a breakup, i.e. One Direction. Some very cringy territory. But I think that the vamps aren't like too mainstream and too obsessed with, because I didn't know about them. Then again, any uh, any women listening, if you've heard of the vamps, then maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, I really uh, their lyricism and like their uh, I want to say their themes don't like vary too much. But similar to the Osborne brothers and similar to Mariah Carey, they can talk about the same thing for as long as they want, as long as they invent a little on it. Um, it never gets old. It never gets old. There was one issue that I had with a like a 
three tracks on there that were like in a row mm-hmm. was that they try to vary on their sound a lot but it becomes kind of an Achilles heel and some tracks kind of reuse that gimmick and feel a little too unique that they don't fit with the rest of the track and they also become or with the rest of the album and then they become repetitive in their sound and in their vocals but other than that I thought it was really pristine really clean um, but not sterile yeah they were all it just it was like a feel good it brought me back to when I first like started listening to them mm-hmm. and it just reminded me of just like dancing around in my room listening to the band <laughs> Like, I would love to, like, point out specific songs, but every song was just amazing to me. I don't know. Were there any specific songs for you that you were just like, yes? I, okay, I really, I think my favorites were Glory Days. Then again, I'm kind of a sucker for openers, I think. Oh my gosh, I loved how the intro led into it. Yeah. There was just, like, no breakage, because sometimes on an album, the intro, it'll sound, it'll have the same theme as... The rest of the album but it won't mesh well yeah i think uh what really brought the chorus and the hook together was the piano looping in the background yeah uh usually piano looping can get like pretty old mm-hmm. but the drums kind of covered up that repetition it felt like a very epic journey about love and stuff something i'm not very familiar with but i can i can tell what they're going for not to sound like a heartless monster, but it is, it is like October. Time to show your monster stuff. Ew. <laughs> that sounded like a Party City commercial, like, ew. Oh my god. I forgot Party City existed, to be honest. Cue the thriller music that they use every year. I actually have Thriller in my uh, Halloween playlist. Respect. Makes sense. It's at the very end, though, so it's not like... It's not like you have Travis Scott's The Plan, and then Thriller, and then Post Malone. That's corny. Or like Spooky Scary Skeletons. Hey, Spooky Scary Skeletons Club Mix is it pretty hits. good. It hits. Yeah. It's like the perfect mixture of goofy and um, spirit, spiritual. Yeah. Like just spasm. Oh my god. I think we had... Oh, I wanted to mention one other track mm-hmm. by um, The Vamps before we move on. Uh, the album is called Cherry Blossom, by the way, if you want to look it up. Uh, I really liked Married in Vegas. It it was the most immersive to me. Um, I thought that the guitar uh, and that the vocals felt very rebellious. Like, I could definitely picture them just, like, driving around Vegas, kind of just fucking shit up. It was... It just felt very uh, refreshing to me. It felt very cathartic, like they're actually expressing how they feel instead of just writing to write. This entire album for me just like sounded like just driving in a convertible, like top down, just hands up, and just like feeling the wind, and just like living. Honestly. Living, man. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the vamps, I, the vamps, cherry blossom. Another recommendation. We've been we've been on a roll with the good music lately. We haven't. It's been very. Like, Machine Drum was okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, look up that Freddie Gibbs track, look up that Tenorel track, look up the final track if you want. But we haven't listened to any bad music so far, and I hope we can keep that train continuing. Because after that, you recommended a single by Kelly Rowland, right? Yes, crazy. And it was crazy good. <laughs> wow. See what I did there? That was very original. You're so funny. <laughs> You were so snarky. Well, yeah, I'm having a peanut butter blast. 
How is that connected to being snarky? My peanut butter blocks. Well, it's my like second coffee today. It's my two. It might be my third when I get back. Coffee addictions are real people. I'm a caffeine fiend. <laughs> that was actually disgusting. <laughs> wow. You know what the shade of really snarky today. A little bit. I think it's like something in the air. It adds to the spice. The pumpkin the spice. The pumpkin spice? Are you kidding me right now? I'm a comedian. Um, Stay tuned for my stand-up. Sure. <laughs> I am funny. I think we should get back to Kelly Rowe. Yeah, we should. <laughs> so, what were your thoughts? So, like, it was a single. Um... I'm not very familiar with Kelly Rowland, other than like that she's a very influential artist back in the 2000s. She had a lot of more R&B kind of R&B fusion, I would say, uh, back in the early 2000s, which is why I'm not that familiar with her. But this is like this is like disco almost, yeah, I would it say. Is. Uh, it's very aggressive. It's very assertive. Um, I think that the dark beat complements her attitude very well. She comes in with this very bassy, uh, very luscious, very dark, almost deviant kind of voice. And it really complements the atmosphere that the beat provides for her. She dances around this beat and this beat dances around her voice. It's crazy. It's great. She has a normally very unapologetic just in your face voice and I really like that and she's had that throughout like being a Jesse's child and then going solo after that mm -hmm. and I wish like she's big obviously but I just wish she was bigger because I really really love her voice I think it's very different because now with Ariana Grande and other artists people really like the high belting airy kind of voice and I feel like Kelly Rowland is just, she's keeping that like true like 90s, like hard, like kind of deep tone. I love those kind of voices. She, um, also in the single, she samples a lot of, uh, like, it sounds like the samples that she's using, her technique in production is like traditional, like Chicago house music, Chicago Detroit music, or Detroit house music. Mm -hmm. um, and there's very few artists who are keeping up that kind of sound nowadays because when you say like house music, people think of EDM, which is incorrect. It's stuff like crazy when you think of house music, to be honest. Um, and I really hope that she makes a project out of this. I'm like, I'm so excited. Like, I'm really waiting for it. Do we, like, is it part of an actual project, do you know? Yes, she was actually. Um... I saw on like some music news she was hinting at yes. the release of a full album like based off this like this was a single release before any release date she yeah. hasn't said anything I'll just say this soon so that's okay. very vague I hate when they do that it's very vague but like it's like when is soon is it this month it's or? like saying soon or saying sometime or saying later stuff like that is like a cheat code to build up hype I mean, I respect it's the- It's part of the marketing. I respect the marketing. I respect the hustle. I just wish I had a date because I really like this. Definitely gonna keep following her. Love her. So, for news, after the reviews, we have XXXTentacion and Juice World being hinted at by DJ Scheme, who is a mutual friend of both artists, both very influential and very highly regarded in different ways kind of artists. Mm -hmm. uh, 
so far it's a track, but it might turn into an album. But regardless, both artists, both Juice and X, are not with us. They've passed. Which means this is a posthumous collaboration. That kind of, which kind of rubs me the wrong way, especially how uh, Juice World just released kind of a very finale-like um, posthumous album this year, and mm-hmm. X had like three very poorly released posthumous albums last year. The difference in their discographies and the fact that they also really didn't like each other kind of rubs me the wrong way that a mutual friend is going to make money off of their scraps. Yeah. But these kind of albums, releasing songs or albums after an artist is dead, are past. I have... I don't really like it. We've seen this a lot with Tupac, Michael Jackson, Prince. And it was a really big problem with Prince because a lot of people were angry because they thought his family was just in it for the money. Because they were doing a lot of gimmicky things around his death and around his music. And he personally said that after he was dead, he didn't want any of his music that he hadn't released to be released because he had hundreds and hundreds of songs. He was always recording things. But they were just in it for the money, and I think that is a tug of war, kind of. Because obviously fans... <laughs> there they go the with that There they go with that coffee. I love that. But obviously fans want to hear more music from their like, beloved artists after they've passed, but... It's like, do whoever's releasing it, are they just in it for the money? Or are they really trying to like please these fans? And we also got to take into account how much power and how much decision does their living relatives or living like former collaborators have over their work. Like who's actually in control of these decisions? How did DJ Scheme get into this position of being able to collaborate to posthumous artists? And what kind of flack does he expect to get from it? Do you think he's solely in it for the money? I mean, if he's friends with both, I don't want to speculate his intentions, but... I think his intentions could be dissected based on the quality of the release. I think DJ Scheme's reputation, if this project comes out, is gonna be like either really well liked or just like go down severely based on the quality of this project. I know there's a lot of hype around this right now because both were very, very beloved. They had a lot of fans. And when they passed, it was, it caused a lot of. I love these natural sounds. Yeah, this is a field recording, technically. (laughs) But back to what I was saying. Yeah. I know both fans from both sides are really looking forward to this. I don't know when it will be released. Was there like a specific date? No, there actually wasn't. He uh, kind of like. Did he say he was just, like, thinking about it, or, like... No, he said it was soon. He was vague, just like a lot of artists are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's also not really clear if he's going to be producing any part of it, or if he's just going to pull a DJ Khaled and be the director. I really hope for the former. Yeah. Um, Because I think that would be a good tribute to someone that you are friends with is to kind of put you three together and actually work on it instead of smushing two of 
uh, two frenemies together. Yeah. Because we've all been in a situation where we have friends who hate each other, or like we're part of multiple friend groups, and those friend groups don't exactly get along, proving a conflict of interest. Yeah, definitely. And back in high school, back in middle school and stuff, my best situation to deal with that was just to ignore it. Was to let these friend groups and these friends hash it out. Yeah, no, I'm gonna be best just way. This is kind of interesting to me. I really want how this to turn out. I'm being optimistic right now because I really hope that it meets up to my expectations and that it's really good. But you never know in the music world. Just have to wait and see. Yeah, because um. They did a good job with handling Lil Peep's case. I'm not familiar with Lil Peep's music at all, unfortunately. I still gotta check him out because it's clear that he has a lot of influence over this new generation of listeners. Uh, especially with like the new drug rise and the new vape former epidemic. Um, and they also did a really good job with Mac Miller this year. Mac Miller. Yeah. That one hit me in the heart. It still hits me in the heart. Yeah. Um, Mac Miller was one of those artists who actually introduced me into rap. Oh my gosh. See, I'm not trying to get my fills right now. He was just... When he passed, it was... I still remember where I was exactly when I heard the news. And just so many memories. I associate so many memories, good memories with his music. I think either way with this uh, Juice World and X collaboration, we're going to be in the feels one way or the other. And what I mean by that is we're going to be in the feels being sad that they're both gone, or at least that one of them is gone. Um, or we're going to be in the feels and angry at the people who made this trash fire, a potential trash fire. I, I don't know. It's like... Yeah. Like, I've worked with coffee before, and I never beat something. Were you a barista at one point? Yeah. It was... I would never do it again. Why? It's so hectic. People are very particular about their coffee. And especially because when I did it, I worked at an amusement park. I mean, when we order coffee, we just, like, look at the menu and we get what we get. And we don't throw a fit, right? Maybe it was just the customers I had. They were very, they were very Karen-like. I see. I've never been a barista. I'm not really that great at customer service personally, because I'm not really that big of a people person. Uh-huh. I don't think I'd have the patience for a Karen. I just like, I just like stop smiling after day one, to be honest. I couldn't keep up a fake smile. Literally, sometimes I would like hide, like I would like, I would like crouch, like there would be someone working on the cash register and then someone else making coffee because we had to have two people. That was just crazy and I would like crouch under the counter because it was my first job, I was 16. I was like oh overwhelmed. But I heard that um, learning coffee recipes too and whatever is like such a process. It's so hard. I know at Dutch Bros you have to take a test on like how do you make this, what flavor is this called, when someone asks for this secret flavor what do you do, stuff like that. And it just seems way too complicated for me. I would, I would rather just be like cleaning the place or like doing the register. I'd rather just be doing something simple. The Dutch World line is always so long and honestly, I don't get the hype, but I only get the Rebels, so. Yeah, also we can't sit indoors, so we're probably never gonna do an episode at Dutch Bros anyways. Yeah, no. Yeah. 
their coffee is a little a little mainstream. We don't have Dutch Bros or anything out like in the Midwest. Yeah, we don't have it in Texas either. So it's probably just like a Char? West Coast thing. Char. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we just pick our coffee places. We try to find a new one uh, every episode. And when we run out, we're gonna probably start repeating or just branch out even further. Yeah, go to different areas. Different areas, Phoenix, Scottsdale, whatever. Probably get back on music. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, it's called Coffee and House. We talked about coffee. One trick pony. Oh my gosh. One trick pony, Raven. Well, I said horse because we're adults now. Are we? You know what? I'm actually in a really shady mood and I should stop myself. He's he's been so shady. Oh you you have to well, I mean that's because I've been wearing my sunglasses. I've been wearing my shades all day. That's why I'm shady. Oh I can know. Seriously? You do the same thing, you hypocrite. Okay, but I'm like really good at it. I'm not gonna get into this. <laughs> okay. On the final episode of Coffee. <laughs> I'm just messing. I storm out. No, I storm out. Um, what else did we have to do? Oh yeah, we um, I wanted to talk about a viewpoint on uh, critics and like critiquing in general. So one issue that I've been thinking about when we're doing these reviews is are we biased by the fact that we're too analytical? Does being a critic make you look at music not just differently, but biased? I didn't feel like I had so much fun. Through doing this, I do catch myself sometimes not enjoying music because I'm just thinking about it too much. There are points where you have to think about the music or you think deeply about it, like lyrics, the production, things like that. But with music, I think you have to make sure you enjoy it. You just enjoy the music as it is. And sometimes doing this, I analyze it way too much. And I do sometimes find that. <laughs> it's a busy day for them. It's busy. I do sometimes find myself being a little bit pretentious. I will call myself out. And I'm like, oh, this is just not it. Like, and since I listen to so much of oldie music, sometimes I find myself being like, oh. Like classic rock, that kind of thing? Like old R&B. Like uh, blues, yeah. that sort of gotcha. stuff. Gotcha. Okay. I'm like, music was better back in the day, and so I find myself sticking in that. And sometimes I have to let that go. I have to let that go. Wait, listen to music with an open mind. There was um, so Lil, Lil Uzi Vert is the first time I caught myself. I'm like, so I'm listening to uh, Love Is Rage Two, I believe, and. I was just listening to it, and I'm like, oh, this is not as catchy as I hoped it would be, stuff like that. And then I kind of just caught myself, and I'm like, this is not this is not an album that you should be critiquing. Especially, like, no offense to all the Lil rappers out there. Um, especially not, like, Lil, Lil Sims or Lil Kim or any of that. The, like, original, like, Lil rappers or people who actually spell out Lil. No offense to them, and no offense to the modern Lils. But you kind of have to turn off your analytical antennas to listen to these kinds of music. Sometimes you just got to have to see it from a fun perspective instead of from every perspective. 
like does this music actually make you happy does this music actually make you feel something if it makes you feel nothing then that's the worst kind of music period and i feel like with critiquing you have to realize that not every artist is the same you can't look at artists from the same viewpoint all the time they're all really different their music is all influenced by different things different people had different experiences and i think you have to take that into account when you're critiquing music or just analyzing it period yeah, and um, a lot of this pretentiousness, this is not too much disrespect thrown at Pitchfork or thrown at uh, Rolling Stone or thrown at any other music publication. Or even disrespect to ourselves. Because anyone could fall into But the majority of uh, writers tend to write with this vocabulary and with this knowledge that, in my opinion, isn't accessible to most readers. And even though it might not have pretentious intent, it still comes off that way. And it's not because of vocabulary alone, but because of some kind of sense of gatekeeping due to their musical intelligence or musical experience, and also a little bit of bias by their age. So an old person are more likely to be an old head and prefer classic rock albums, but and, disres- and like disregard all the new stuff. Aren't you supposed to be writing to the public? You're only writing for this specific group of people who will understand exactly what you're saying or have experienced the same things you do based on your age or anything like that. Which makes me wonder if publications are even like looking for applicants who are young for these genres. Like, are like if you put on a resume that you're interested in re- in recovering uh, rock music, you're interested in covering old artists. Are young people at a disadvantage of being hired for those genres because they haven't lived in that point? And is that going to be a consecutive problem if it is? Yeah, I feel like music is changing so much every day. I feel like you kind of have to learn to change with music, sort of. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to like apply it to the fashion industry a little bit too because it's like following trends. Yeah. It's knowing what's in, what's out, and then choosing what you want to do, not based on what's in or what's out, but but, but with what you're best at. If you're if you're playing like a game like chess or some kind of video game, uh, the term meta refers to what is the best strategy to win this game. By following the meta, you are most likely to win that game. But also by following that meta, by following those trends, you kind of lose the originality that your original strategy had, that your original taste had, and you kind of become either a trend chaser or a gatekeeper. And I think the perfect balance between that is to just go with what your gut says and go with what your heart says versus what the publication says versus what your intellect says and versus what the public says because in that I think would come off as the most genuine in a perfect world which is not this world (laughs) Um, I think that was a really good discussion yeah we're at we're at 45 minutes this is really good yeah good time honestly um, this was Coffee and House episode 3 and we're gonna come at you with the same kind of energy yeah. honestly be ready for it expect 
Expect a different coffee house. Expect a different scene, different interruptions, different noises, and different albums to review. But yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Raven and Scott. <laughs>